Of all people, Christians ought to be the most generous and enthusiastic givers. After all, God is the greatest giver who ever existed. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah illustrates this truth with examples of the priceless treasure that God has given us. Discover why you really can't outgive God. As David introduces the compelling conclusion of his message, Jesus' Forgotten Blessing. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, yesterday, we, um, we began talking about that phrase in Acts chapter 20, where it says that Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. A lot of people have been frustrated because they can't find where he said that in the Gospels, but the Gospels don't contain every word that Jesus said, and uh, we know he said it. And, and it also sounds like something he would say because it's what he believed, it's what he taught. To give is more blessed than to receive. And he himself was an illustration of that in his giving of himself for our salvation. Today, we'll finish up what we started yesterday, unpacking that phrase. And uh, before we get into uh, that verse again, let me remind you that we have this wonderful resource. Uh, We have just today and Monday to make this available to you. If you haven't ordered yours yet, be sure to do it. The book is called The Prayer Code, 40 Scripture Prayers Every Believer Should Pray. It was put together by O.S. Hawkins. O.S. Hawkins has the Code series, the Joshua Code, the Jesus Code. Those two books sold one and a half million copies, and this won't be any different. This will also be widely received across the country around the world. We wanted to give you the opportunity to have one of the first copies. So when you send your gift, um, either today, over the weekend, or Monday, you can request your copy of the prayer code, and we'll send it to you. It's 210 pages of beautiful design and beautiful truth, promises to encourage you in your walk with the Lord as you learn to pray from the Scripture. Ask for your copy when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Well, here's part two of Jesus' Forgotten Blessing. Money has a pull on you, and if you're not careful, it will get a hold of your soul And it will drag you in a direction you don't want to go. But when you put God first and you give to him, something happens in your life. Here's what Paul told Timothy when you're preaching next time in your church. And you got rich people in your church. you got people that have wealth. Here's what you should tell them. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty and not to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. This is what he's saying to those who have wealth. Let them do good, that they will be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Men and women, if you give the Lord a minimum of 10% of all he has entrusted to you, you'll find it easier to trust in the living God and to be rich in good works, ready to give. Here's how Tracy Altler came to understand this principle. Thanksgiving Day, 1993, and Tracy was away from her family, living in an apartment on the lower end of a town, a single mom relying on welfare and food stamps to get by. Standing in her apartment and looking at the sparse collection of canned goods on her shelf, Tracy heard a knock at the door, and she couldn't think, what in the world? Who's coming to my door on Thanksgiving Day? Well, she opened the door, and standing there was a man from a local restaurant with the delivery. 
a full Thanksgiving dinner, complete with all the trimmings. He said it was from an anonymous donor, and before Tracy could ask any questions, he handed it over, and he left. Surprised and amazed, Tracy decided she needed to know who to thank for this timely gift. However, she couldn't figure it out. She called her parents, but it wasn't them. She asked her friends. Nobody knew. Years went by. She still had no idea who the mysterious Thanksgiving dinner had come from. In time, she moved out of her apartment and began working as a nurse in a local hospital. And then seven years later, a woman named Margot was admitted to Tracy's care. Margot had multiple sclerosis, and her condition was becoming critical. Tracy remembered Margot from her time on welfare. Margot had actually lived in the same apartment building as Tracy had lived in back then, and it was clear that Margot didn't have much longer to live. Three days before her death, Margot took Tracy's hand in hers and in a frail voice whispered two words, Happy Thanksgiving. That one gift had a massive impact on Tracy's life. She and her husband became foster parents, and they adopted a son. She often leaves $5 Starbucks gift cards with little notes for her co-workers to find just to make their day better. And one year later, Tracy and her family made a New Year's resolution to find 100 opportunities to give to other people. Tracy has become a giver, and she doesn't give because she has to. She gives because she wants to, because she's discovered the joy that comes when you give. Giving influences your focus, it ensures your faithfulness, and it inspires your family. I would imagine if I asked how many of you learned really how to give to God and how to tithe and all of that from growing up in a family where that was. I was thinking about this and I almost forgotten about it. Before we would go to Sunday school every week, my mother would give us all some money to put in the offering. And most always, it got there. <laughs> I heard about a little girl. Her mother gave her two nickels, and, and she was supposed to put one of them in the offering, and one was for hers. And she was on her way to Sunday school, and she lost one and went down in the sewer. And she said, oh, my goodness, God's nickel just went down there. <laughs> We learn how to give from our family, don't we? Our parents model that. Your parents model it. We want to model that to our children. Somebody said, you don't get a grade for being a parent until you're a grandparent and see what your grandkids are doing. And when you see your grandkids want to give, you realize that somewhere along the way, the giving instinct was born in their heart along with the hearts of your children. If you want your children to grow up and to know the blessing of God and to experience benevolence and abundance, it'll start with you. It's not a lesson that's so much taught as it is caught. You can't teach it with words. You have to teach it with your life. Now, not only will giving inspire you biologically in your family, it will also inspire your church family. In fact, there's an experience in the New Testament where this is illustrated. It happened in Macedonia. The believers there began accumulating money for Paul to take to the suffering church in Jerusalem. That's recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And Paul uses the actions of the Macedonians to inspire the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9, he says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, 
so that by his poverty, he can make you rich. What Paul was saying is, I'm not telling you you have to give to this offering, but I want to tell you what the Macedonians are doing. And we inspire each other by what we do. We don't do it because we get up and announce what we've given. But how many of you know, word gets out, people know, people know who the generous people are, and we're inspired by them because we see in them a joy that comes from being a giver. In his book, I Like Giving, Brad Forsma tells this story. Embracing generosity, he said, as a lifestyle can become a healthy inspiration for those around you. For me, one of the most fulfilling aspects of giving has been watching generosity spread to my family. Recently, my daughter, Gracie, came up to me and said, Daddy, I have a problem. She grabbed my hand and walked me down the steps into our basement. I have too many, she said as she pointed to the Mickeys and Minnies neatly arranged on her blanket. Well, Gracie, you have a few options, I said. You can keep them all or you could give some of them away. Little Gracie walked into the playroom and pulled out her Minnie Mouse suitcase. She laid it on the floor, unzipped it, and carefully placed three stuffed Disney characters in the suitcase. After she finished zipping up her gift, she hurried over to me and gave me a great big hug with tears running down her face. She said, I feel so good. They are happy tears, Daddy. Later that night, after we had taken the gifts to the hospital, Gracie said, Daddy, this is the best day of my life. Even kids figure it out. Even kids know it's so much fun to help somebody else instead of always being helped yourself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that, and it's so true. Giving influences your focus. It ensures your faithfulness. It inspires your family. It increases your finances. Now, let's just get down really to the core. This is the one point of this whole message that you're going to like the best of all. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. From the standpoint of simplicity, this is the clearest expression of the principle that giving leads to gain that you will find in the Bible. It basically says that whatever you give comes back to you multiplied. God has established some absolute principles in the universe. Here's one of them. Whatsoever you sow, what's the rest of that class? That shall you also reap. If you want a harvest of abundance, you have to sow abundance. If you want a harvest of love, sometimes people say, well, yeah, nobody loves me. You have to ask the question, well, how much do you love them? Nobody is my friend. Well, what kind of a friend are you? The Bible says what we sow is what we get. Here's just an illustration of that. If you sow to God your resources, you will reap from God his blessing. It may not all be financial, but it will be there, blessing multiplied over and over. These principles that operate in all areas of life are basic and few, simple, yet very profound. They are principles that God has ordained, and therefore they cannot be violated without the violator suffering a penalty. The principle of getting through giving is a matter of order and consistency that is written into all of life, no matter what sphere you examine. This principle is true in the moral realm, it's true in the physical realm, and certainly true in the spiritual realm. So in the Bible, you should expect to see this, and you do. You come to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 11. This is not a well-known passage, but listen to what it says. 
There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There's one who scatters, gives away, and increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. (laughs) The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. The proverb is just saying the same thing that Luke 6.38 says, that when we bless God, when we bless his work, when we bless others, we are sowing a seed that will be multiplied back to us many times over. When we give, God gives back to us. We receive what we sow in multiplied forms. Number five, giving impresses your father. You want to impress God? Here's what it says in the Bible. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it. He loves all givers, but he especially loves cheerful ones. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. In the Old Testament, giving reluctantly under compulsion is portrayed as canceling out any benefit. Let me just read this to you. I'm pretty sure you haven't read this scripture. I hadn't read it in a long time. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give it to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all what you put into your hand. God said, when you give, don't be grieving in your heart that you're doing it. Don't give it and wish you weren't giving it. Don't give it sadly. Don't give it reluctantly. The Bible says God wants us to be willing givers. He wants us to be happy givers. My friend Chuck Swindoll has a wonderful way of putting words together, and here's what he says about it. I've never been able to understand why everyone in the church looks so serious during the offering. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if when the offering plates were passed in the church next Sunday that instead of grim looks, stoic silence, and soft organ music, you heard laughter? I can just imagine. Can you believe we're doing this? Put it in the plate, honey. Put it in the plate. Isn't this great? (laughs) Put it in, followed by little ripples of laughter and applause across the place of worship. Wonderful. Why not? Deep within the heart, there is an absence of any compulsion. We're just doing this because we want to, and it fills us with joy. Now, that's what I call cheerful giving, and I think it makes God happy when we give joyously. God will accept it when we give reluctantly, and we'll still be rewarded for what we give. But I go back to the text. Here's what it said. God loves a cheerful giver. Giving improves your future. This is the last one. Giving influences your focus. It ensures your faithfulness, inspires your family, increases your finances, impresses your father, and improves your future. The Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, I used to read that passage and not get too motivated, but not too long ago a moth got into my closet (laughs) and ate some holes in one of my favorite suits. And it irritated me. I looked for that moth for a whole week. My wife saw it the other day. She said she saw it. I said, well, what did you do? She says, I don't know. I couldn't catch it. But, you know, isn't that interesting? You buy a new suit. It's a really nice suit. You like it. And before you know it, some little creature comes and, and destroys it. The Bible says when you put your treasure in heaven, there aren't any moths up there. I have a new appreciation for that. 
Now, when I put on my royal robes, no moth is going to eat the hole in it and ruin it. Randy Alcorn says that Christ offers us the incredible opportunity to trade temporary goods and temporary currency for eternal rewards. While we're still on this earth, we can assure ourselves of eternal rewards beyond comprehension. If we give instead of keep, if we invest in the eternal instead of the temporal, we're storing up in heaven treasures that never stop paying dividends, and whatever treasures we store up in heaven will be waiting for us when we get there. I want to conclude this little talk on giving and why it's more blessed to give than to receive by helping you understand where this all started. You know, the original giver was God himself. He's the one that started it. Started in eternity past, before any of us were here, before there was a world that we understand to be now. John 3.16 says it about as clearly as any verse you know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, we all know that, that God gave us eternal life. But I want to show you something that I discovered not long ago that really lit this up for me. We've said that we get what we sow. That the Bible says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's true for God, too. Whatsoever God sows, he also reaps. What did God sow? He sowed his Son into this world. He gave his Son to this world. And I want to read to you what Hebrews says about that. It was fitting for him for whom all things and by whom are all things. Now watch this. In bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Here's what it says. God sowed his son into this world so that he could reap many sons to glory. Sons and daughters. And here we are, many of us Christians We're a part of the reaping of God to heaven for his great gift of his Son to this earth. Hallelujah. God honors his own principles, doesn't he? He says, whatever you sow, you shall reap. I'll sow my son, and I'm going to reap many sons. Because Jesus came to this earth to be our Savior, those of us who put our trust in him can go and be part of the inheritance of God. The one who gave his only and one son to this earth is receiving his return. He's bringing many sons to glory. If God wanted to receive many sons to glory, he'd have to give his own son. Therefore, the Father summoned the best heaven could offer in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent his own son into this world and sent him to the cross to die so that we could receive eternal life. Are you a part of God's reward? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know what it means to be sure in your heart that one day you're going to spend eternity with him? A few years ago, I preached a whole message on generosity. I had never done that before. I just thought, what does the Bible say about generosity? In that message, I told you the story of a guy by the name of Charles Feeney, a billionaire philanthropist. 
whose only goal in life, get this, was to give all of his money away before he died. And I want to report to you on what happened. Because since that message, there's been some change. The Irish-American grandson of immigrants, Feeney, amassed his fortune after co-founding the duty-free shopping empire. If you've ever flown overseas, you've got to walk through the duty-free sections of the airport. Feeney founded all that, and he made billions of dollars from it. Despite his riches, he doesn't own a car. He rents a small apartment, flies economy class, owns only one pair of shoes. He even crashes in his daughter's apartment when he goes to New York instead of indulging himself. Feeney set up a foundation called the Atlantic Philanthropies, and he did it in secret. He didn't want anybody to know he had done this. He did it in 1982, and he transferred almost all his wealth into this entity. He made countless endowments to charities and universities across the world for 38 years and gave away $8 billion from his foundation. But on September 14th, 2020, not too long ago, at the age of 89, he ran out of money. His goal, how many people do you know whose goal is to run out of money? His goal was to run out of money before he died. And he achieved his goal He strived for zero, and he gave it all away. He completed his four-decade mission. He signed the documents to shutter the Atlantic Philanthropies. The ceremony, which happened over Zoom with the Atlantic Philanthropies board, included video messages from Bill Gates and others. He shut it all down because he gave it all away. As he signed the papers to formally dissolve his now broke foundation, Feeney urged other upper-class members to experience the joy of giving away their fortunes before they die. I see little reason to delay giving when so much good can be achieved through supporting worthwhile causes, Feeney said. Beside, get this, it's a lot more fun to give when you live than when you're dead. And there's an old little poem that goes, if you're giving when you're living, you're knowing where it's going. How about that one? <laughs> to those wondering about giving while living, you should try it. Jesus said, you're more blessed if you do it. Paul repeated what Jesus said. Science confirms what Jesus said. And reality proves what Jesus said. So the question is, do you believe what Jesus said? It'll make you stop and realize how blessed you are and how needy a lot of people you know are. And every once in a while, God will impress upon you to do something for them and you will do it, even though it might keep you from buying a new dress or a new pair of shoes or a new tool or whatever. You will find the blessing that comes to your heart when you give is it's intangible, but it's real. And it will change your life. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a great verse? And isn't that a great, very succinct truth? It is more blessed to give than to receive. If you've never tried it, you won't believe it. But once you try it, once you begin to do that, you'll discover, oh, how, how honest and how penetrating were these words from the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, if you've been around the church very long, you probably know that one of the principles of giving is what is called the tithe, based on an Old Testament principle that was practiced by the people of Israel. But it has carryover value to the New Testament because it's kind of a benchmark for where you start when you give to God. And we're going to talk about that. I preach on that principle every year 
every year for 50 years I've preached on this principle, and I'm not going to miss this year, not with the church and not with you. So be sure and be with us on Monday as we talk about to tithe is to trust. We're finishing up a month of study, and the the, um, study has been the blessing of 10 Steps to Spiritual Renewal. And even though that series was over a couple of days ago, I want to remind you, you can still get the study guide and the CDs for that series. Uh, We won't talk about it after today, but if you haven't already ordered that and you'd like to get it, go to davidjeremiah.org. There you will find all the information about it. Have a great weekend. Honor the Lord with your presence in church. And try to watch Turning Point on television if you can. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, friends. Our message today originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is a blessing in your life, tell us about it by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L, 2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of O.S. Hawkins' latest book, The Prayer Code. 40 scripture prayers every believer should pray. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we conclude our series on stewardship here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus, is available now. Filled with inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah and paired with Scripture, it will encourage you each day in your walk with God. This popular resource is yours with a gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous gift of $120 or more, you'll receive four copies so you can share them with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. In 1 Timothy 6, the Apostle Paul mentioned two basic needs that we all have, food and clothing. Now he was making a point about material things, that it is possible to be content with the barest of essentials. But we really have many more needs than just food and clothes. We need encouragement and guidance and finances and wisdom and health and motivation and courage and many more. God is delighted to meet those needs as we orient our lives around Him. 
Paul also wrote these words to the Philippians, My God shall supply all your needs, and all means all. So take God at His word and commit your needs to Him. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's provision on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.